Audible Originals presents DJ Drama's Gangsta Grills Podcast. The following contains language and content some may find offensive. You know, I felt like I needed to prove something. That's when you get the human spirit at its best. When it is being tried, when it is being doubted, or when it is curious about what's on the other side of the question mark. get asked if I really got a lifetime supply of ice cream. That's crazy. <laughs> Welcome. Skateboard P is here. How you feeling, man? I'm grateful, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. No, no, no. All things considered, you know, thank you. Absolutely. So for all listening <clears throat> and watching, I just want to set the location. We are currently in Paris, France, mm -hmm. and there are some protests going on. Yeah. And I've just learned that Paris, France, out of most major cities in the world, have the most protests. Yeah, it's a part of the history, it's a part of the culture, you know, allowing the people to have a voice. It's been really interesting to see how they do it, mm -hmm. you know. I will say that uh, it's beautiful to be here. Absolutely. It's beautiful to be here, beautiful to have this experience. Interestingly enough, even on my walk over here, thinking about sitting down with you and thinking about the protests, the first thing that really came to mind was All Right. Huh. And, and knowing that you were part of a song that when it comes to protests and when it comes to movements and moments will go down in history as such that. All right, a single from Kendrick Lamar's 2015 masterpiece, To Pimp a Butterfly, was produced by Pharrell and Soundwave and features uncredited vocals on the hook from Pharrell. All right became more than just a rap song. It was a straight up protest anthem at rallies against police brutality everywhere, from LA to Cleveland to DC. Protesters chanted the song's hook as an expression of hope in the face of adversity. Thank you. How does that feel like a student in the game growing up in hip hop when we think about fuck the police, fight the power, and then you think about all right? You know, at the time when we were doing it, I just loved what it was and how it felt so much that, you know, what Kendrick did to it and what he brought to it, just like, it was just so magical. You know, I was supposed to be featured on it. That's my voice on the chorus, yep. obviously. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know what was going on in my brain. Where I was like, no, 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 I don't want to be featured. I, you know, this is his moment, mm. you know? Mm. And I wasn't in the video. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Is something you regret? <laughs> to this day, <laughs> right now. I mean, I still have, you know, the Grammy and of all course. that. And obviously I'm on the song and I produced it. That's one of them ones where, like, I don't know what... The, I thought I was being generous. I mean, he was already, like, fireball hot when I first heard his first mixtape, Section 80. Mm -hmm. He was already, like, amazing. He's, like, one of the ones. So I wanted to just, like, not be in the way of that. And, yeah, I was, I was tripping. That was, like, not smart. <laughs> you brought up Grammy. Are there Grammys for you that are more special than others when it comes to some of the bodies of work and, you know, the, the success and the accolades? No, nah, they all mean a lot to me. 
I never, you know, I never. Listen, I say this in so many interviews that there's probably going to be like someone puts together an edit where I, go, I never dreamt in a million years. I never dreamt in a million years. I never dreamt. I never dreamt. I never dreamt. I never dreamt. Yeah. Dream, dream. It's true, though. I mean, come on, man. I'm from Virginia Beach. Bro. Right. You've been there. Yeah. Like the whole 757. Like, not that we don't have ambitions and aspirations there, but we didn't have too many outlets. Mm-hmm. So the time when Chad and I and like everybody on like Star Trek was coming up, at least the ones that was from the 757, we couldn't believe what was happening. Come on, if you would have asked, tap me on the shoulder then and said, hey, you know, you're going to end up in Paris doing an interview with DJ Drama. And maybe 10 years before that, y'all would do a mixtape popping all this shit about like what you just did with Louis Vuitton. Mm -hmm. Now is probably a good time to explain why we had to record this episode in Paris. Pharrell was named menswear creative director of Louis Vuitton. That's the power of a gangster girl's mixtape. From talking shit about how much you spend in Louis to being the face of the brand. I was talking so crazy. He's talking that talk. On that mixtape. Using your back. And uh, the idea that we would end up with, you know, gramophones and more than one, like, yeah. that's like crazy. I think about that all the time, even in my career, and, and never in a million years would have ever dreamt it. I just received my first Grammy. Congrats. Uh, thank you, last year. I want to talk about it, but I want to play a clip for you okay. for my interview with Tyler, the creator. What's your Mount Rushmore? <sighs> Pharrell. And then albums. In my mind. I mean, let's Can we go rap? Dude. Rap, P. Favorite Gangsta uh, Grills. You know my fucking favorite Gangsta Grills. Don't be silly. It's, P, it's in my mind prequel, bro. I asked him four different questions about favorites, and your name came up in all four answers. Whoa. <laughs> Call Me If You Get Lost won me my first Grammy. There is no Call Me If You Get Lost if there isn't a Pharrell and DJ drama in my mind prequel, Gangsta Grills. That's heavy. I know it. T will say it. You know, the specific moment that we did our mixtape, Gangsta Grills was in, you know, this pocket that really represented like Southern trap, street, quality hip hop. And when you came along, I even remember there being some naysayers in a sense of like, well, how does Pharrell fit the Gangster Grills brand? And I was like, huh, what? Like, oh yeah, watch watch what we do. And like the same way people talk about Trap or Die and Dedication is the same way people talk about In My Mind, a prequel. Legendary, legendary, legendary. That's crazy. Legendary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I'm humbled by everything you just said and obviously humbled by what T just said too. Um, you know, we've always wanted to just push the boundaries because that was fun to go on the other side of the question mark. But everything that you just said was so heavy. It's too heavy for my mind to lift. <laughs> but uh, that tape did something to me, too, because it like once that thing was out there, I loved the way it sound. Mm. But the way it made me feel was intimidated. Oh, I was intimidated by that facet of my personality. I didn't feel worthy of the opportunity. Like, I felt like I was, I was like, doing too much. Really? Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't, I didn't really want to, like, pull up with girls, like, falling on the top of the, you know, roofless coop. But let's put it in perspective, because even at this time, you were already an icon, a superstar, a legend who didn't necessarily have to do a mixtape. Yeah. Like, it was a choice. Like, it was literally your one and only. Thank you for saying that. 
But like so much of my career, I think I want something until I go do it. Uh. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> like when I did Frontin', that was a record that Prince didn't take. You made a, that for him originally? Yeah. Yep. I mean, I hadn't written it, yep. but the track was there. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm like on some backpacker shit. I'm going to go like sing and wear fucking polos and stand in front of this Marianello Ferrari and like really flex because I'm a backpacker. Mm-hmm. So like to me, that was the cool thing. Mm-hmm. And then when I did that record, you know, LA and then was like, okay, cool. Let's go make this album now. And I was like, wait, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know. I, don't, I don't want to go on the road and be like solo singing R&B guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So much of my career has been that. I like the idea and I do it enough to make it. I mean, we used to tour all the time with NERD. But then at a certain point, I was like, do I really want to do that uh, like for the rest of my life? Yeah. That's the reason why I only did that one mixtape, because it was like that mixtape energy brings some shit out of me that I don't know <laughs> if I'd be ready to like live up to. And then I think about it, too, because the way my formula was, I would attack the mixtape as if it was an interview. Tell them what your name is. My name is KK. What's KK. Carolina Krakova. <laughs> you like my music? I love your music. You like my cars? You don't have any car. Yes, I do. Which one? A few of them. Really? Like? Them big shits. Big expensive shits. You like riding in the back of Phantoms? It's too fancy. No, come on. I... It's too fancy for all. I, I'm I'm an I'm an easy girl. I'm from like from the hood. You know what I mean. Your level of obscurity and what you touched on in hip hop on that tape was genius. Well, I always wondered like, how did you even go about choosing what beats you wanted to rhyme to? I think that one for me was like just the ones. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, there's just those surefire ones mm-hmm. that just go so crazy, and the original, the people who rhymed over them first were just so legendary. I mean, rap-wise, did you feel like you had something to prove? Oh, yeah, I definitely thought people didn't, you know, they really didn't understand like, uh-huh. the flames. <laughs> Tyler reminded me of a bar the other day. I don't even know which one it is. Though. We salivated for this live like wolves. Blow a hundred grand on LV, leather goods. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I did say that. Did. I forgot. You know, I felt like I needed to prove something. Uh-huh. That's when you get the human spirit at its best. When it is being tried, when it is being doubted, or when it is curious about what's on the other side of the question mark. That's where I err on. I'm, I suck at, like, putting a show together. I'm the worst. Because mm. it's time to put together, like, the set list. Mm-hmm. I'm literally thinking about song I just left the studio doing like today or like two weeks ago or like shit I got coming. That's how my brain goes. And that's why I like going on the road is not fun for me because I really don't like performing shit that mm-hmm. like I did last year. You got this new blue fire, this new green fire, that this new purple fire you just made. Mm-hmm. That's why I suck at that. How do you balance that though? Like you're always thinking forward. <laughs> I just stay working. You know, if I if we tour, we tour. But I, man, that going from city to city and being up in hotel, I like my bed. I really mm-hmm. like my bed. You know. Um, speaking of VA, yeah, there's clearly something in the water. When you think of Virginia and all the legends and the icons that have come from the area, like where do you place that in the culture? I think we for sure are the Middle East of the East Coast. 
we're in between New York and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're like literally the Middle East of the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So I think that has something to do with proximity, geography, you know, that's a thing. And then I think geologically, I just think anywhere you go, the ground gives off a certain vibration with people mm-hmm. and you can see it and feel it in the culture mm-hmm. from their accents to the way that they present themselves to their energy, you know, their local like slang and isms. And I also think that like just the stock of human being that flock to Virginia is brilliant. Mm. It's a brilliant pool of like human beings that are there. Tim just, he grew out of the ground. Mm. You know, Missy came out of the sky, mm. like, you know, Chad came out of the water, like, and it's not just them, it's like Knots and Bink and like mm. Lex, mm-hmm. D'Angelo, mm. Angie Stone. Mm. People don't even know how long she's been doing it. She's wow. been doing it for so long, mm. you know, Chris Brown, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's there. But that's like Northern Virginia, D.C. energy, you know? And we had like a house vibe there too mm. from like, you know, Baltimore. So there's just so, you know... To me, it just was this melting pot of like so many cultures. Hip hop wise, come growing up, yeah. was it? And oh, 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 and also, also the radio station. And what I didn't know, and I don't know if you guys knew this, but like one of the first like radio stations to be able to play rap all the time was AM850 in Norfolk. Okay. You know, they had all these great records that wasn't being able to get played unless it was like a Saturday night or whatever in, in Virginia. We was hearing that shit 24 7. So that programmed us. Like we were being brainwashed into these energy and and choices being made by like this progressive new sound called hip hop that was born the same year I was. Yeah, you know, seventy three. Uh huh. Being from that area, was it challenging trying to identify hip hop wise? Because there's all, there's a space between the tri state and the south. Oh no, you couldn't tell us that we weren't living that life. That it wasn't real hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Run DMC, like, I remember the very early days of, like, Hard Times and those kind of records. And I remember the day that Eric B. for President came out. Mm-hmm. I remember going, who's that? But LL and, like, all of that, like, you could not, t- Fresh Fest and all that, coming to Norfolk Scope, mm-hmm. you could not tell anyone from the 757 that we didn't really live that life. Because you got to understand, like, a lot of New York people were coming down to Virginia. Right. They yeah. was really, really posting up there. Yeah. Selling dope. Various reasons. Yeah. And, like, you know, really living that life, uh-huh. you know, with the big body Benzes and the big 6 Series, 5 Series Beamers and, like, with the BBs, you know what I'm saying? The BBSs, like, they was yes. really... It was really getting down. Yeah. Like, it was a real, real, real thing. When that dope got there, yeah. forget it. So, but what about when you hear De La Soul or then when you hear Straight Outta Compton? Straight Outta Compton was amazing. When that hit the street, that was like that was like a punk record for us. Mm. NWA and, like, I'm using these words because this is not how black people felt at the time. <laughs> but Straight out like, Straight Outta Compton, NWA, and Public Enemy, those was full-on... Black punk records. Mm. They were like, you've never heard anything like that ever in your life. And it's absolutely something that you turn on and it was destroying any room. Mm. But De La Soul, those are the founding fathers to the spirit of my making music to mm. this day. Mm. De La Soul, I heard them first, then I heard Jungle. Mm. And I heard Tip on the song called Black is Black with Jungle. 
when he dropped Anita, that shit blew my mind. And then from there on, the, the native tongues for me is like for some people they got the Olympics, the Olympia, you know, you know Apollo and all of them. No, 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 no. You don't understand. For me, it was the native tongues. We owe so much to the native tongues. From the late 80s to the early 90s, a super crew made up of De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, Queen Latifah, and the Jungle Brothers that cared for the culture through promoting positivity. Period. All the way to KMD. That's mm. life to me. Busta, all of those guys. Those guys were the deities to me. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I heard, like, the first Tribe album, I was like, yo, I don't know what the fuck this is. Here comes Q-Tip and Ali, Fife and Jerobi, and there's this Bonita song, and the favorite part is the only fucking part. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what is that? Mm. And that was where I fell down the rabbit hole, and here I am. I wouldn't be here at all. That shit, because I, I, I mean, I've said this before, like, Chords for me are coordinates. Mm -hmm. Technically, they don't really look at them like that, but I think that emotionally and spiritually, mm -hmm. when certain chords hit, that certain combination of a chord, bass line, whatever it is, a melody, top line, whatever it is, when that combination hits, it's just like longitude and latitude. Mm -hmm. It takes you somewhere. Absolutely. And if you're lucky enough, it unlocks you. Mm -hmm. It unlocks this curiosity that you didn't know you had. And if you're smart enough to chase it, who knows where you fucking end up? You know me and Daylight doing a Gangsta Girls. Oh my God. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's gonna be special. It's gonna be amazing. Mm. I'm curious, do you remember the first time we met? Was it through uh, Most Wanted? No. No? Was it before that? It was in Atlanta. In Atlanta, okay. Uh huh. No, tell me. Tip was on house arrest. Oh shit. This time, we're talking about T.I., a.k.a. Tip, the inventor of Trap, who somehow convinced Pharrell to take a pay cut to produce on Tip's debut album, I'm Serious. Oh, shit. He had the crib <laughs> yeah. where they let him do the work release program. Yeah. And you were coming to the house. Yes. Working. Yes. I think you had the tour bus. Yeah. You would pull the tour bus up to yep. the house, and I came up, I came to the crib. Yeah, I made Freak, though. You made Freak, though. Yeah. Yep. That's, to me, one of... And do you remember why you made Freak, though? Yeah. It was in the, the house that they allowed him to have. Mm -hmm. And um, it was some dudes who will remain unnamed in there. We can name them. We can? Yeah, Tip talked about it. Shot the Meech. Yes. Yeah. It was live. <laughs> they had it live. Yeah. And it must have been... How many, how many strippers was in there, bro? About 40, 50. 40, 50. It was like, no lie... It was, that's crazy, bro. <laughs> Yo, he was on house arrest. The big dogs was in there. Mm -hmm. He like 40, 50 strippers. I remember Jeezy came over. Jeezy came. And I was seeing Magic City in a regular suburban house. And they're just throwing money. Now they're throwing money for the girls in the crib. And I was, you know, they had champagne out, the Moet. You know what I'm saying? They had everything out. And I was like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I went right outside mm -hmm. to that tour bus and made, but she's a freak though. Mm -hmm. And it, cause it was that. It was that. It, cause it was so bad. And that's the part that I thought, okay, cool. There's my angle. 
These girls are so bad that any one of them walking through Phipps, you just be like, okay. Mm -hmm. She got angel eyes with a baby face. Mm -hmm. I want my mama and daddy to meet her, maybe have my baby. Mm -hmm. I keep talking about you, but you're my super freak, super freak. Because it was like, they were bad. I was mesmerized. Yeah, it was a legendary moment. It was a hell of a time. Yo, that's crazy. Yeah. And I remember just being so excited and ecstatic to meet you at that time, too. And then me and Tip were working on a Down With The King mixtape. And I think I even asked you about the King of the South reference. And that became a thing, too. And I used I used your soundbite on his Gangsta Grills about talking about his placement. Because you were there early on in his career. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, literally from the first album. Yeah. Um, he was serious. Yeah. I had never heard anything like that when KP introduced me to him. And I was like, this shit crazy. I just remember him being the most articulate mm -hmm. with the crazy Southern accent. He was non-apologetic about it. Mm -hmm. And I just I just thought he was the fucking the greatest. And I mean, I still think that. And it's funny because me and his girl was sort of dating at the time. Mm -hmm. We weren't dating, mm -hmm. but we were like fucking Good around. Thing. Yeah. And uh, she took me to this store and we met this girl. And the girl came by the studio because she said she made like brownies. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, what possessed me. So I was like, man, this ain't shit. So I ate one. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh man, this shit don't work. And I made the mistake and ate the whole thing. <laughs> that happens every time to I remember, everybody. Yeah, man. You'll and eat like, a piece and it won't kick in and then you'll keep going. I kicked, yeah, they ate the whole thing. So then like the way that right track is set up is like there's studios on different floors, but in order to get to them, you got to go in this, the stairs. When I ran upstairs, I was looking behind me and my whole, you ever seen The Flash? Mm -hmm. My whole body left a blur going up the stairs, going all the way down. And I said, oh, shit, I'm actually high. That was my first time ever being high. Mm. And I remember I went, I ran upstairs like, oh, yeah, KP's here. So now it's just in my system. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm high. That running just got the shit just flowing. So I meet him. KP brings him down and I meet him. He's rhyming. And I was like, yo, this nigga can go. But yo, this is a long ass song. <laughs> Man, that first album was great. But yeah. then like on that second one, yeah. he found his bag. Found his pocket. I couldn't believe I was on it. I was like, yo, this guy is amazing. You have a, um, a very distinct and legendary studio routine. Yeah. Like as no one else. Most people get to the studio at a very late I have hour. no idea, but it's a really fascinating vampire culture. <laughs> it's amazing. You get to the studio at what, like 5, 6 a.m. in the morning? Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. And you're there till about maybe 2 or 3 in the afternoon. And then yes, but I could do like a whole album in a week if I work from, you know, 6 a.m. all the way to like 2 in the afternoon every day. I get a whole album done. Because your mind is just working at a different pace. I still get up mm -hmm. every morning now and write from like five to like six. So you never were the vampire hours were? That's not my thing. Like I do my workout like, you know, five o'clock in the morning or like 4.30. You know, you get it like an hour in and then I'm in the tub like with the Epsom salt. Mm -hmm. I get like, I like a few songs out 
shower, cold shower. That's another song or working on something during that time. Then I get started with my day. Yeah, I will say that I'm definitely a daytime person. I think the vampire thing, it started with Teddy and them. Mm. Like when we first got signed, like, yo, he's all, yeah, come to the studio 10 o'clock at night. We're like, oh, okay, cool. But then like, you know, one o'clock in the morning, like that's when they just getting warmed up. Mm -hmm. And like, they'll be in there till like you literally go back to your crib, like eight, nine o'clock in the morning. I thought that was so bizarre. But I, I realized that's the time where like the juices kick in for them. And it does for me too. It's just that I'm going to sleep, you know, until like five and then I'm going to start. But yeah, it's interesting when the creative hours kick in for certain people. But a lot of like rappers are very nocturnal. Mm -hmm. I'm more like, I'm, more, I'm morning time. All of Pusha's last album, uh -huh. we did do that. We did start from five every morning until like two. What you been listening to? SZA. Have you seen the show? Show's amazing. Not yet. I'm back, oh my I ain't God. been back home. The production is incredible. Yeah. Is there anybody you want to work with? I'm never good at this. Who 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 do I want to work with, Jen? <laughs> who have we talked about? I'm just not, I always draw a blank when someone asks me this. I'm going in with Yachty. What do you think of his new direction? I was happy for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think he it's good that he's like stepping outside of that. I got some records coming with a bunch of people that I wanted to work with. Uh -huh. So that's exciting. Yeah. What's your favorite Gangsta Grills? They're all fire. I mean, the T.I., the Jeezy, Wayne. Wayne was blacking. Yeah, he was going crazy. He was, but I mean, Tease, Tease is innovative. Yeah. You know, so that's up there for me now, too. Yeah, I put it up there. The one that I think that should have happened was a J one. Huh. That's the one that, like... Really? If you care to, and he cared to... And I don't want to hear him on nothing now because mm. that's too easy for him. Mm. But I would love him to take the approach that I did, which was mm. errorless. You know what I'm saying? Just go after just great joints. And it don't have to be genre. It could be genreless too because you could rhyme over a Beatles joint. You know what I'm saying? That's one that has come up in conversations, but I feel like if we were to do it, it would have been at a time. But I like that though. Yeah, nah, now's the time. Like, you know, the, the fucking Gangsta Grills, like Ace of Spades, Gold Trumpet Edition. That's hard. Because, you know, the big gold bottles and the, the big mirror bottles? Mm -hmm. He calling them trumpets now. Like, he need to do that. Have you been approached by the Versus conversation? Yeah. Who do they find a formidable opponent for Skateboard B? There's been a couple. But that's just not my thing. Mm. I always like, you know. Yeah. I always think everybody's better than me. That's so crazy. I don't like... That's crazy that you have that mentality. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, yeah, because also these guys are like, are people who really know their like repertoire really well. They're used to doing it, going out there, performing it. That mm -hmm. ain't my, really my thing. Mm -hmm. I like making the records. I don't really like going out there performing. Every once in a while I'll make something that I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to get out there and really perform this and just like take this on the road. But mm -hmm. not often. Is there one you would like to see? Michael Jackson and Prince. Mm-hmm. 20 for 20. Of course, it's a celebration. 20 for 20. I don't know. I would cut it down from that. I would say just, you know, Purple Rain against Thriller. Whew. That's tough. That's tough. Have you ever seen the old vintage footage of James Brown performing? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And Mike was in the room and then Prince was in the room? Yeah. yeah. So from what I understand, they said Prince tried to run him over <laughs> in the parking lot. <laughs> tried to run MJ over? 
Or James Brown? I think James, yeah. He tried to run James Brown over. Because they said that James knew he was high. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know about it. I mean, from what I understand, yeah. which I think is fucking hilarious. Insane. <laughs> Insane if that's true. Run a nigga over. <laughs> that's amazing. Hip-hop's turning 50. Yeah. You were born in the same year. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? Like, when you think about what this culture has done, what it's given to the world. It means and continue to mean the exodus for so many creatives, the outlet and platform for so many creatives and also enthusiasts. It also still means that we have a job to do. There's more ownership to be had. Mm-hmm by the purveyors and the creators. So as as exciting as it is, it's also very motivational and aspirational. P, you are one of the greatest of all time. You are a living legend. You are an icon. You never cease to amaze the culture and all your accomplishments. I'm I'm so humble and so gracious that your one and only mixtape you chose to do with me to think about what it did for the Gangsta Grills brand. And again, there would be no Call Me If You Get Lost if there was no In My Mind the prequel. And I would not have a shiny glass case with a Grammy in it at my house because of that mixtape. I thank you very much. Listen, that is a beautiful, super kind bouquet of a gesture of thoughts that I respect. And again, it's all too heavy for my mind to lift. But, uh, Thank you. Thank you for Thank you. giving me the opportunity. You could have said no, you know, but for whatever reason, you was into it and just as enthused and charged. Mm-hmm. And I remember we was doing it. Yeah, people were like, what are y'all doing? Mm-hmm. But you never lost sight. You always kept your eyes on the prize and really helped me to get there. And I'm just, I'm humbled. And I can't believe we're here, dog. Like, this is <laughs> fucking crazy. Like... <laughs> What are we doing right now? We're in fuck in we Paris. At? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 16, 17 years later. Come on. This is amazing. That's crazy, bro. That tape is also one of the building blocks, serious component to this outcome. Because mm. that just, wow. yeah, we wow. was talking so, LV had never been talked about like that nah. in, 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 in rap music before. Not like that. Nah. You know what I'm saying? And not with that kind of coverage. Uh-huh. You know, we was promoting the hell out of that. The way that we connect like this is crazy. Amen. And at some point, you know, if you have the time, let's talk about something like maybe, you you know, one of these shows, like, man, it'd be, be honored. I would love that. Yeah. I would love that. My brother. Wow, oh, thank you. I got a lifetime supply of ice creams. <laughs> we gone. This has been an Audible Original produced by Colabo Inc. Society hosted by DJ Drama featuring Pharrell. Executive produced by Kenya Barris, DJ Drama, Wheezy WTF, Layton Lakeshow Marson, Audible Executive Producer, Joshua Poole, produced by Roy Farrell, Kristen Alcala, Consulting Producer, Jamie Nelson. Production was engineered by Alex Anderson and WTF Media Studios. Sound design and mixing, Michael Bellavo. Edited by Alex Anderson of WTF Media Studios. Edited by Jamie Nelson. Written by Dustin Smith, F.A. Guy, and Damilare Sunoiki. Original music by Don Cannon. 
Researched by Dustin Smith. Talent booking by Marquetta Moore. Production lawyer, Eric Spiegelman. Production accountant, Kristen Johnson. Production assistants, Devin Kruger, Victoria Larte, Tiana Johnson. Head of Audible Studios, Zola Mashariki. Executive Vice President, Head of U.S. Content, Rachel Giazza. Copyright 2023 by Calabo Productions, Inc. Sound recording copyright 2023 by Audible Originals, LLC. 